God speaks to us in his word in 1 Corinthians 10, 23 through 11, 1. All things are lawful, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful, but not all things build up. Let no one seek his own good, but the good of his neighbor. Eat whatever is sold in the meat market without raising any question on the ground of conscience. For the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. If one of the believers... If one of the unbelievers invites you to dinner and you are disposed to go, eat whatever is set before you without raising any question on the ground of conscience. But if someone says to you, this has been offered in sacrifice, then do not eat it for the sake of the one who informed you and for the sake of the conscience. I do not mean your conscience, but his. For why should my liberty be determined by someone else's conscience? If I partake with thankfulness, why am I denounced because of that which... For, I, for which I give thanks. So wh whether you eat or drink and whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Give no offense to the Jews or to the Greeks or to the church of God. Just as I try to please everyone in everything I do, do not seek my own advantage, but that of many, that they may be saved. Be imitators of me as I am of Christ. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Susan. It's been said, my name is Zach. I could serve as Director of Operations. Thanks for being here on Spring Break 2.0. Appreciate you guys coming and showing. And really, it is a pleasure to crack open this book with you, to talk about it. And hey, uh, we're back into 1 Corinthians 10 again today. But I just want to share something that's on my heart. Today is my 18th wedding anniversary. I can hardly believe it. This time, 18 years ago, I stood up at First United Methodist Church in downtown Oklahoma City and said, I do to my wife. And wouldn't you know it, she's home with sick kids today. So, double blessing upon her, right? A lot of you guys may not know this, but there was somebody else that was on stage with me on that Sunday. They were one of the premier up-and-coming praise and worship leaders of the time and Oklahoma City's expert on raw denim. And I think he's actually wearing the same shirt he wore to my wedding, and that's Ben Hill back there. So, love and honor you too, buddy. Really appreciate you. <laughs> hey, no, it is a joy to be here with you today. Jokes aside, glad to be here and share what's on my heart. Um, back into, into 1 Corinthians again, and man, Paul's writing this letter to a congregation that existed a long time ago, but is still, this message is still so valuable for us today. And in this text, Paul is urging the Corinthians to consider their actions and what those actions have as far as impact on the people who are around them, the, the others around them. He's trying to get them to see the value in living in a way that both honors God and loves their neighbor, right? And we hear that all the time. Love God, love your neighbor. What, is, what does that apply for us today is where we're going to be spending most of our time. And Man, I, I'll be the first to tell you, I'm guilty of this, but in our modern culture today, individual and personal freedom are often placed on a pedestal above all else. And at all costs, the, you know, don't tread on me, I'll make my own decisions, I'm subject to no authority, has become the punchline of a joke around here, and to some people has even become identity and today, Paul is reminding us that our actions 
should always, always, always be guided by love. That freedom is real, freedom is a thing, but we should seek to edify and to build up and encourage each other rather than put ourselves first and tear other people down. And so, just really quickly, hang with me on a summary of where we've been, because I think it's important. He's wrapping up a whole train of thought that we've been talking about from the pulpit since really the first week in February almost, um, through chapters eight, nine, and 10. Chapter eight, when he laid down the groundwork for something we're gonna touch on today, and that is eating food sacrificed to idols. He says, hey, dude, this does not send the right message to your brothers and sisters around you and could kill their faith, so don't do it. Don't go to the temple and eat meat sacrificed or honored to idols. You should love your neighbor more than you do what you wanna do, right? Verse nine, he says, do I not have rights? Paul says this, and just a paraphrase, he says, yet I've laid down all of my rights for your sake and the sake of the gospel, and very specifically in verse 19 he says, for though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all that I may win more of them. Okay, chapter 10, we heard from Ben last week. Not only does eating food sacrifice to idols send the wrong message to your brothers and sisters, more importantly, it isn't loving towards God himself. And he talked about this stern warning that we get that says, don't do it. Don't do it. Even though you may have had mountaintop spiritual experiences in your life, and so did the nation of Israel, and it turned out really great for some of them. And so this, this warning like, hey, don't do it. And in this final passage, he's, he's given us a little bit of a different take. And uh, even though that common thread through chapters 8, 9, and 10 um, is about how we, we respond to some of the newfound freedoms that we've, we've been given in Christ, here he's focusing on some of the things that may be a little bit more gray, maybe a little bit more blurry, um, things not given as law in Scripture, but where there can be differing opinions of conscience or opinion. And I hope today that we look at those. We kind of like, maybe you can even examine or evaluate some of those areas in your life and look at how we respond to that through three different lenses. One is, what is this doing for my own heart? Two is, how is this loving my neighbor? And, two, and three, how is this glorifying God? So again, what's this doing in my own heart? How is this loving my neighbor? And finally, and most importantly, how is this glorifying God? All right, that's where we're going today. Would you pray with me as we crack open this thing today? God, we thank you um, that you have given us this word. God, we thank you that it is, is just as much alive for us today as it was for the Corinthians. Uh, we ask, Holy Spirit, that you would come, be with us today. May this mold us, may this shape us. Um, yeah, God, just be present in, in, in the midst of your people today. It's in your name we pray, amen. All right, right off the top, Right here in verse 23, Paul kicks us off using the term that he's used before. All things are lawful. Let's read that together. It's gonna to be on the screen if you have your Bible with you. All things are lawful, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful, but not all things build up. Let no one seek his own good, but the good of his neighbor. Now that's from the ESV. Some transla translations say, all things are lawful, but not all things are profitable. All things are lawful, but not all things edify. And an important distinction here is to like say all things are lawful is a common saying 
that the Corinthians had at the time. And Paul's using this as a zinger to punch them right back in the nose. Because what they're saying, he's using their own language as a point against them or to drive home a point that they're missing. And they're saying, I have the right to do anything. I can do anything with the freedom that I found. And Paul's saying, no, you're missing the point. We shouldn't be seeking our own good, but the good of our neighbor. How can I use my freedom to love my neighbor and to glorify God? So it's less about me. It's less about what I want to do. Ben talked last week about grace abounding and people sinning more so grace could do more in their lives. And Paul very clearly addresses that. And I love the NIV translation for this verse. And it says, I have the right to do anything, you say, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but not everything is constructive. Not everything is constructive. It would be a whole lot easier if this was black and white. It would be a whole lot easier if when Paul is talking about meat in the supermarket, he would just say, man, you have to eat kosher. Or just don't eat meat at all. But he's encouraging them not to give up their freedom. And here's the deal. That, like, there are things that are obviously black and white. There are things that the Bible tells us, like exploiting image bearers, exploiting other people, idol worship, murder, adultery, fill in the blank. Inevitably, we are all faced with decisions of conscience, though. And just like Paul is addressing meat being purchased from a market, you know, was it, was it obtained with ill will or was it not processed correctly? Did it have the USDA stamp on it? Even more than that, is it permissible? Is it beneficial? Is it even wise? And again, like, how does this shape us in our own heart, in the love of our neighbor, and in glorifying God? And man, fill, fill in the blank there. Like, it may not be meat that is somehow or not sacrificed to idols, but what is the thing? And we're gonna, we'll, we'll dive into that, okay? We not only have to look about uh, look at how our decisions affect us and how they glorify God. And here's the big point that they were missing. It's like, again, wh- how does it affect other people? How does it affect other people? I think uh, one of the things that we miss a lot of the times is it's, it's, it's difficult at times for us to make decisions that are gl- God-glorifying without thinking about the impact that decision has on other image bearers. Let me say that again. It's difficult for us to make a decision on whether or not something is God-honoring without considering the impact that it has on other image bearers. Verse 24, he says, let no one seek his own good, but the good of his neighbor. Paul gives us another example of this in Philippians 2. This will be on the screen for you as well. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit But in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. Have this in mind among yourself, which is yours in Jesus Christ. In that same chapter, he goes on to talk about the divine status that Jesus had and how he humbled himself, even to death on the cross, so that he would put our needs before himself. 
We put our needs before himself. So in the same way, Paul is trying to get the Corinthians to see this plight with me in a way that reflects what Jesus had already done for us and the freedoms that we have. And the first thing that Paul tees up right here is, you know, he's, he's punched the Corinthians in the face with their own words, all things are lawful. Uh, and then he says something that we wouldn't expect Paul to say. The guy who described himself uh, as a Hebrew of Hebrews, he said in verse 25 and 26, eat whatever is sold in the meat market without raising questions, or without raising any question on the ground of conscience. For the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. He's quoting Psalms 24 when he says the earth is the Lord's. Can you imagine, like, if this happened today and it was in a text conversation, like the surprise emoji that would come back from the Corinthian church? I mean, this is not what you expect Paul to say at all. You'd expect him to just say, you know, take the easy road out and say, this is what we've always done. Don't eat that meat. The sacrifice to an idol at all, don't, you know, you need to thoroughly vet. A priest needs to inspect. The rules of not eating meat in a pagan temple, that was, that was still intact, right? That doesn't go away. Paul isn't saying you can go and worship a false idol and consume meat in a temple that's, you know, that the food has been dedicated to a false god. That's not what he's saying. What he is offering is that meat that was offered to idols was butchered by pagans, but sold in markets, is free to eat. That's really curious. Andrew Wilson, in his commentary, 1 Corinthians for You, has this quote, I think it's really fitting. He said, Paul wants to clarify that the problem with idol food is the idol rather than the food. The context rather than the content. And say that again, the context rather than the content. Man, it's pointing back to the heart. You get it, right? It's also, I'm gonna gonna say a word that's gonna make a few spines shiver, okay? What Paul is pointing out, and I'll say it really softly, is legalism, right? This is legalism. And we've all struggled with that at some point in time. We've been subject to it. We've uh, lived by convictions that are not our own. And legalism is a point where we, as sinners, tried to build our own moral safeguards where God has given us freedom and called us to exercise wisdom, right? We have freedom, but we have to exercise wisdom or by, in some way, how we can become righteous by our own code of conduct and how we live our lives instead of us leaning on grace alone for our salvation. Hey, look, this doesn't mean that we don't hold ourselves and others accountable to things that are clearly not biblical, right? We're, We're called to do that as brothers and sisters in Christ. But we also have to protect the freedom that we found in Christ by not falling into legalism. So what is the freedom that you have? How do you exercise it? How do you exercise it the right way in response to your neighbor, response to your brother or sister? I grew up in a very fundamental church environment. 
And it was like, my, when I went to visit my grandparents' home, their television was in the basement, you know? Or it was hidden away someplace, and it was easily covered in case there were company that came over, you know? Uh, whenever I went to church camp, uh, no shorts were allowed for anybody, and so it was 110 degrees in Tishomingo, Oklahoma, and I got to go to the fabric store and pick out fun fabric for my grandmother to hand sew what she called jams, which were just like really big paggy parachute pants, which were stylish for the day I'm dating myself. Uh, but, you know, no shorts, man, but we had, we had our jams and we felt really cool about, my favorite were the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle ones, but. Um, we all have examples of legalism. We all have examples of, of living according to other people's convictions or even trapping ourselves. And you know, the, the, the ditch of legalism and the ditch of freedom and how do we find the middle ground um, that, that is, is where we should be. And so in this, when Paul's saying go and, and eat whatever's sold in the market without questioning the ground of, conf, uh, of conscience, He's telling them, don't get caught up in, in legalism. And in the process of not getting caught up in legalism, remember your need for the gospel, okay? And so if, if we have freedom in Christ, freedom is great, freedom is good. But love always trumps our freedom. And let's just take a second and talk about how love rules over freedom because there are moments whenever we have liberty and decision. But we should voluntarily give up our rights out of love for our brother or sister. You know, we all know that it's, it's um, never okay to be a stumbling block to your brother. And the first thing that Paul tells us to do in the next part of the scripture is to go. In verse 27, he says, if one of the unbelievers invites you to dinner, and you are disposed to go, eat whatever is set before you without raising any question on the ground of conscience. Go have dinner with your atheist neighbor. Go have dinner with your militant unbeliever neighbor. Even more than that, Paul is telling us to go and eat whatever is placed before us without worrying about where it came from. This uh, reminds me, like... <laughs> Funnily, uh, uh, the, the intro scene to Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, where they fall out of the plane and they miraculously somehow pull the cord on this raft and slide down a mountain into a river and they see this guy with a sunken in face and he takes them back to the village and he hands them a plate full of food that's infested with bugs and he's reluctantly eating it. And uh, his uh, lady friend says, there's no way I'm eating that. And he tells her, shut up and eat it. It's more food than these people have seen in two months. <laughs> okay, probably not the best illustration, but you get the point, right? You get the point. Um, maybe a better illustration that we've all lived through is a Baptist potluck, <laughs> right? Man, my mom used to scope out the door and see who brought in what dish, then she would tell us all, don't eat the one in the purple dish. Like, don't do it. Um, you guys have never had that happen to you? No? Man, I, I will tell you that there was more than one uh, church potluck in rural Tulsa County, southern Tulsa County, where I know a possum hit the table. That's all I'm going to say. You don't want to eat that. 
But here, like, just as example, uh, we have a surprise response from Paul. Like, eat in community and don't worry about your conscience. Eat in community and don't worry about where your food came from. And so, some questions, I, like, that made me ask, my, I had to ask myself, when, when prepping for this week, I was really convicted, is, like, where have I allowed legalistic, extra-biblical barriers to get in the way of me loving my neighbor? Where has that happened? And so, like, maybe that's a question for you, and don't everybody shout it out all at once. Don't shout it out at all, actually. But, like, where, where has legalism inhabit, or has really inhibited your gospel witness? And even more than that, like, what personal preferences could you give up in order to share the gospel? What does it look like to be a, you know, a truly a highways and hedges person? One of my three, the three people that we pray for constantly is he's an avid atheist. He tells everybody every chance that he gets about his lack of belief. And it's written all over him that this guy is being pursued. Like, his heart is tender. He, he just doesn't even know it, you know? And whenever I talk to him and the conversation starts getting a little bit too close to home or he has questions or he has feelings that he can't understand, he has a pull and a draw in his heart that's undeniable to him and he puts up the shield and he tries to back away from it. And one of the things that he says all the time to me is he says, Zach, your Jesus is showing. And I'm like, well, thank you very much, <laughs> you know? But then also with him, like what, what are the things that I could do? What are the preferences that I could give up? Um, that are, are very clearly, I can stay firmly rooted and grounded in Christ. Um, but as, you know, Paul said, become all things to all people. Paul goes on to say in verses 28 and 30, but if someone says to you, this has been offered in sacrifice, then do not eat it for the sake of the one who informed you and for the sake of conscience and get this, I, I do not mean your conscience, but his. For why should my liberty be determined by someone else's conscience? If I partake with thankfulness, why am I denounced? Because of that for which I give thanks. Man, that, that is awesome. And like, you just have to sit and dwell on that for a second. Because this answer is not as simple as the one he gave previously, right? So, hey, temple, food is bad. Going and eating it in the temple in honor of a false god, don't do that ever, right? If the, the meat is, is in the market, regardless of what its origin is, it's okay. You can go to someone's house and commune and fellowship with them, not worrying about where it came from. But if they tell you, if they go out of their way to tell you that this meal was dedicated to something other than what you think it was, the answer is a no. That's curious, right? See, it's not because of its origin that Paul is saying don't do it. It's not, not about where it came from. It's not because of your freedom. Paul very clearly says that it's not about, you know, why should my liberty be determined by what someone else thinks? Instead, we say no for the love of our neighbor. We suspend our rights 
for the love of our neighbor. And loving one another is greater than our freedoms, which can cause another brother or sister to stumble. And here's the, like, get this part, man. Don't send mixed messages about who you are worshiping, right? Don't send mixed messages about who you are worshiping. Paul said that he could partake and that he could give thanks. But what he's more worried about is causing his brother to stumble. And instead says, I'm giving up my rights and showing you who I really worship. And in that case, get this. Think about this. Loving one another and giving up our rights actually creates a case for preserving our freedoms in the first place. Right? Giving up our rights creates a case for preserving our freedoms that we could have freely exercised. Paul even asked, why am I denounced for giving thanks? I think what he's saying here, in a, in a nutshell, is that we shouldn't allow our freedoms to be tread upon. They, we shouldn't allow them to be, to be tread upon. But it's upside down from where we think it sets. Right? It's not about me being able to do what I want to do anytime I want to be able to do it. When it's about me, we offend our brother or sister with our actions. Instead, we surrender our freedoms to love those around us and remain free in the process. Right? Remain free in the process. Hey, here's the last point. Paul says, and this is what sums it all up in verse 31. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. Give no offense to Jew or to Greeks or to the church of God. Just as I try to please everyone in everything I do, not seeking my own advantage, but that of many, that they may be saved, be imitators of me as I am of Christ. Don't, don't worry about what others say about you. Just do it for the glory of God. Don't worry about what they think about you. Do it for the glory of God. At the same time, don't be flippant with the freedom that you found. Be considerate. Be more than considerate. Be willing to share it even. And, and here's the thing, man. Like, freedom matters. The freedom that you have in Christ matters. Your rights matter. All the good gifts that God has given us has matter. I mean, he created us with taste buds, with affections for other people, with a desire to sit and share a meal, just like we're gonna remember what he's done for us when we share the table later. Like, all of those are good things that he has given us. But what matters more is that we do it all for the glory of God. Right? That we're... We've, we've pulled the cross back to the center of our lives and we're remembering what he has done for us. And then in studying for this, I came across a, an amazing quote from a commentary I wanna share with you. It's gonna be on the screen if you'd like to read along. It says, when we understand that everything between God and us has been fully and finally made right, that Christians live their life under a banner that reads, it is finished. We necessarily turn away from ourselves and turn toward our neighbor, forever freed from our need to pay God back or secure God's love and acceptance. 
we are now free to love and serve others. We work for others horizontally because God has worked for us vertically. The Christian lives from belovedness to loving action. His love for us begets love from us. Because everything we need in Christ we already possess, we're now free to do everything for others without needing others to do anything for us. We can now actively spend our lives giving instead of taking, going to the back instead of getting to the front, sacrificing myself for others instead of sacrificing others for myself. Again, rooted in the message of love God with everything that you are and then love your neighbor as yourself. There's a really beautiful example of uh, Jesus in, in John 21 encountering Peter who had betrayed him. And of course, I mean, I just can't even imagine being in, in Peter's shoes in that moment. Knowing and, and experiencing what he experienced and Jesus telling him, no, you're, you're, gonna, you're gonna betray me three times and him saying, no, I would never do that. And Jesus asked him three times, just as many times as Peter betrayed him, do you love me? And of course, Peter is broken and ashamed and, and he does love Jesus. So he tells him, Lord, you know that I love you. Lord, you know that I love you. And our Savior gives him the same answer three times in three different ways. He says, do you love me? Lord, you know I love you. And he says, feed my lambs. He says, tend my sheep, feed my sheep. And finally, he says, follow me. Jesus telling Peter over and over that loving God means loving one's neighbor. Glorifying God means doing good for your neighbor. In, inside of that, like Peter, Peter like us, like was, was a sinful person, was a sinful man. And we deny the power of Christ in our lives and rob God of the glory when we live self-centered lives. Just like in that quote, man, that all of the vertical work has already been done on a, for us. All the vertical work has been done for us. And that allows us to focus horizontally. And even though we're, we're sinful creatures, we're self-centered, but God, like even though we've betrayed him, but God, he reinstates us. Paul closes this today with telling us to imitate me as I imitate Jesus. And that's, that's the call today. That's it. We must remember the radical love that he has so graciously given us and reflected on those around us. Would you pray with me? God, we thank you for your word to us today. We do thank you for your life, perfectly lived. Um, that you would humble yourself from the eternal bosom of the Father, that you would come down in flesh to be born in the dirt. At the same time, you were upholding the universe by the word of your power. You lived and died and were resurrected. So God, we just we pray that um, you would continue to shape us and mold us 
into people who love you with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And God, that we could love our neighbor as ourselves. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.